I got boneless. Are you I got it. Are you recording right now? Huh? Are you recording right now? Am I recording? No, mm -hmm. not yet. Guess what? Should I? I am. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> so whoever just burped, that is on recording. Okay. I'm not going to call you out. You don't call yourself out. <laughs> it's like, okay. I don't need to call you out. You'll call yourself out. <laughs> Why do you sound so disappointed, Diz? I have been having an off past two days. Yeah? And I am verbally tired. Yeah. And I haven't even yelled at anyone. You haven't even yelled at anybody? Damn, are you okay? I will be. Let's see how we are, how I am after the end of this podcast. <laughs> You're like, it's going to depend on where I come out on the other side of this podcast. That is very much true. That That's is, funny. <laughs> but, uh, hey, welcome back to the Space Society Collective podcast. We have half live studio audience, half participators. Because this is an all D&D podcast. Well, this is what, the third, fourth? I lost count. How many fucking episodes we did focusing on D&D? You know, we do a lot of episodes focusing on D&D, and I'm not mad at it. Um, uh, maybe around five? Okay. Possibly. I'm, I'm going through the um, episode list, and none of them actually specifically say D&D. Yeah, no, we kind of just like sprinkle it in there when it comes up, which it does a lot often. Welcome actually, everybody back. Actually, there is one. It is D and D, my dudes. Ah! It is D and D, my dudes. Ha ha ha! However, it yeah. is not Wednesday, which I thought this. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's not Wednesday because you got that schedule wrong. But before yeah. <laughs> before I go, I dig into the co-host, the best co-host of all time, the Dame Lama writer Christian Ventura. Hey. We have guest they known to me as Vice in our Elowith world. Uh, a member of our D&D uh, party, our D&D crew, quote-unquote heroes, maybe. Who knows? Uh, if you could call it that. If you could call it that. Welcome to the podcast. We have um, Spectator. Um, they may chime in every now and then, probably. We'll see. Leaf. Hello. And last but not rounding out, we may have more. I don't know, probably. Um, but for now, last, certainly not least, TB. Hello. And welcome, everyone. Like I said at what the beginning of the year, we was gonna have like a roundtable group of people, and here we are. We got a ground group, a roundtable people. We, I know, like, okay, if you had told me we would be here last year, first of all, I would tell you, how the fuck did you get in my house? And second of all, I'd tell you, shut the fuck up, and then I'd smash my mirror. But then again. <laughs> we here. Because <laughs> um, Spotify, they're yearly reps. And now, previously known as this giant contraband robot, by June... This past June, we became the Space Oddity Collective. We have published over 58 episodes. Over 58 episodes under the Space Oddity Collective already? No, just this year combined. Oh, this year combined. Damn. Damn. 
How close are we to 150? Because I know we passed 100 not too long ago. We are currently... Our Spotify episode count. Excuse me, because I have to pull it up. The lamest drum roll ever. And while it's loading up, we are being played in over seven countries. We have went up from last year. We was played in three countries last year, seven this year. Damn. Well, thank you to everybody who's listening from other countries. Uh, shout us out on Twitter or on Instagram if you want to say hi. Damn, we want to know where you're from. Yeah. Or comment in the comment section below. You can do that on SoundCloud. And you can do it on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts currently. And we're also on Amazon Music, another milestone for this year. Hey, damn. We just keep stacking them up. We have 137 episodes. This will be 130, episode 138. Fuck. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank you to everybody who's listening to it chronologically, because I know some people are, and I have no idea why, but you are madmen, and I respect you on that. <laughs> You're going to be a reason through. You're basically in season two of the job of this podcast. Yeah. Seriously, this is like season two. And our follower count has went up 82% from last year. <laughs> 82%. Uh, that sounds really impressive. And then I think about the actual number. I'm like, yeah, thank you, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so, only, so all 43 of you, thank you. But if we, if we want to add the. And to that one person that's unsubscribed ever since Desi said something that apparently made you unsubscribe, fuck you, we don't miss you. Fuck the Astros! (laughs) Oh, that's right, we said fuck the Astros and someone unsubscribed. (laughs) I think I'm the only one here who still watches baseball religiously. I can give fuck all about the Astros, and this is the only time I'm glad the Atlanta Braves beat the fucking Astros. It's the it's the only thing it's the only thing that has ever given me some kind of like leeway in those awkward conversations about sports at work mm-hmm. where I don't know about what anybody's talking about because everybody's super into baseball but like everybody knows what I say when I say hey fuck the Astros and they're like yeah I'm like cool okay yeah I'm gonna keep working please leave me alone you're part of the crowd you're part of the in crowd <laughs> welcome um. But seriously, thank you to everyone who's been listening. Um, even to if our listen the those who's gonna be participating in this podcast, if you've been listening, thank you as well for listening and following. Um, I think twenty twenty two is gonna keep that vibe going because we're gonna be doing some awesome episodes, awesome things. We're gonna get Christian crying on camera. <sighs> Wait, is that what it's turned into now? Is that okay? Is me crying on camera what it's gonna take for us to finally be on camera? That is my goal of 2022 when we play Emily's Away the series. Your goal is to make me cry. Mm-hmm. Get you in your feelings back into for your 2009 2007 high school era. Uh, I'm already feeling that because I'm like reliving Halo shit. No, don't do this to me. Oh yeah, You're gonna get all those feels. <laughs> If it's for content. It's for content. <laughs> so coming soon to Twitch. Me and Christian, Space Society Collective. Coming in, out soon. In our feels series. God, that's going to be in our feels and fucking Backseat Gamer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I may give you tips, but I may not. <laughs> but I may not. I may watch you also burn. I'm I'm leaning more as I lean you crash and burn. 
<laughs> is it because of D&D that you want me to crash and burn now? If we was in campaign one, oh, I will let you crash and burn. But since we're in campaign two and I'm having fun, I've been so, having no. I've been having fun. Let me rephrase that because I don't want anybody to get in. Like, oh, so you never had fun? No, I have fun. There's certain things <laughs> that you do that do irk the fucking shit out of me. In like, D&D. Okay, this is the round table. What? This is the round table. I'm not the DM here. What are some of the things that I do that irk you as DM? <laughs> like, I get it. You want us as players to you you and you repeat it and i hear it but then you give us something else to look at and i'm like and then we have benita who's now codium verbally being verbally annoyed i'm like and i'm always i'm learning from vice to separate (laughs) maxin from myself but then there's times where me personally want to come out of maxin and be like look i get it can I do this fucking side quest right quick within this fucking campaign? I get we got to get this item, but shut the fuck up. Let Maxim be Maxim. <laughs> this is where this is. That's the point. Now my vocals is coming back up, but this is that's at times where I want to get to. But then I'm like, okay. no, no, Desmond can't come out. Desmond can't come out. You stay as Maxim. Stay as Maxim. Take so you see, that's a, that's a good thing because D and D is a very much team oriented experience, and a lot of people seem to forget that. And part of becoming a good role player is not only yourself mm-hmm. um, taking on the character; it's learning how to include the group and become a group. Yes, that's how you differentiate like a good and great role player. So, yeah, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, it's not. It's, but it's a so okay. I get that. So it's like the. It's the aspect of like, hey, can I just get this shit done real quick? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but okay. So here's my here's my rebuttal to that, right? Not that I'm trying to refute you. Just that my only rebuttal would be, is it during the times that you find resistance on me on like, hey, uh, you guys need to find this item or whatever the fuck, right? Because for the record, I've never told you you need to find the, It was the It was the arc where, um, oh, Got himself in another dimension, and we needed to get him out in that carnival. So I'm where this is the time we still have Lonk, we still had Zyder, and it was just it was just basic. We already lost to be here because um, Corey left by this point, right? So this is after Axe home, before we got to the um, oh my fuck, um, Dragon's Barrel. So this is like <laughs> the in like the I guess the. This is on our. This is basically a couple of months ago because this is on our journey close towards the end of the for campaign one. Yeah, this was before Solomon actually like. This was before the the High Harvest Tide Festival. Yeah, no, this is during because we're in that carnival. Oh no, you're right. It was during. It was during. We was towards the end of the carnival. That's where the Laria and Mouse came in. Right. See, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Um, but I think it's really, it really started with, um, Axe Home, because this is where you really wanted to start uh, preparing us for dungeons, for dungeon crawls. Like, really getting us prepared for, like, there's gonna be times where maybe, and I think we was in Axe Home for, like, a month. Mm -hmm. And I equate that to doing a, I equate Axe Home to the Circle of Magi. In Dragon Age Origins. You mean like the amount of time that... Okay, so 
I get why you say that, but my main question is, you realize you guys were being completionists when it came to Axholm, right? You guys were like, well, let's find every single crack and crevice. And you're like, well, it's because you pack it so full of lore. I'm like, yeah, because I have lore here. Doesn't mean you need to check every rock, man. Yeah! Yes, we do. Yes, the fuck we do. <laughs> that is the completionist in you, which I appreciate because it means that a lot, like, full, like, okay, there was a full point for those for those who were not there because nobody here was there. <laughs> for those who were, that, who were not there, there was a point where I literally had to tell the party, you guys have exhausted every single corner of this area. Like, there is nothing else that you guys can find here. And I was like, I didn't want to have to tell you guys that. But you kept trying to literally... There was a point where you guys were trying to ask me whether a fucking chair was magical. No, no, no. No, 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 no. It got to the point where we knew we had to go to that fucking room. That that room, that dark room. That had, yeah. we had to do with the shadow spiders. Yeah. By that point, it was only me and Alt. Zyder was dealing with school... That's where we officially lost be hit by that's by this point. You know, the upper room of Axholm, the enemies that existed in the upper room of Axholm, behind the scenes, they changed four times. What did you have originally? Because <laughs> mentally, I it was all like... It all depends on when you guys went up to that room and you guys waited until the last possible second. Because <laughs> I was like, that Windows era, that was me mentally. Because I'm like, I'll is, tell you this. Originally, only... it was spiders. You could have left it as fucking spiders, man. Not after the amount of t shit that happened, man. <laughs> Not like... after the amount of shit that you guys kept going through in the in that in that area. Like straight up. Okay, so Axholm was a dwarven, uh, was a dwarven like fortress, uh, in a certain part of of Eolith. and the dwarven fortress. Like, it, it, it exists as a place canon, however, I, like, twisted the entirety of, like, what its significance and, like, its connection to things. But I, I made it so that way it was a place that was, uh, like, 100 years ago, a place of where some kind of, um, basically a political party had been assassinated there while under the care of a different party. And it was like the kind of curse that set up the pre the the precursor to a lot of things that would later happen in that. I literally made lore for that hundreds of years before that, which informed the type of enemies that you guys would encounter. Remember the banshee? Yeah, that banshee was the elven dignitary that got murdered. Mm. Everything has a fucking reason, man. I know, but here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I felt in that moment, since there was only two of us technically playing, not that I wanted the difficulty in terms of playing in the game, the difficulty turned down. It was just like the amount of enemies there for just two people to deal with. And I get that well, you, you want, I, but I do get that you want, like, you want us to be in situations where it may be a possibility where it's just going to be two people have to deal with a group of enemies like this. And I get that. But oh, I, you mean like when it was just you and Lonk? I mean, you and Ulf. Yeah, because I mean, like, if we think about it, we was I want to say six, seven, to six, six, seven months I in. I did tone down the enemies in terms of hit points or just like the amount. I was out about the amount, not the hit points, the Both. amount. 
How many was supposed to be originally, since we can now talk about it? Because originally, there were supposed to be five of you in that room, not two. So I had planned it for five. It was technically four of us at the time, so me, Zyder, Ulf, me, it was only four of us. Lonk didn't come in until after Axel. Lonk was supposed to show up there. Oh. To help that was going to be the original introduction of Lonk to reinforce you guys in that fight. Oh. Now I know. Yeah. It was going to be different. Uh, that was going to happen, and um, uh, that was going to happen. Uh, the room, picture it like that same room was going to have double the amount of spiders. Uh, there was going to be a different enemy type in there that I will not reveal because I haven't used it yet now. But there was going to be a third type of enemy in there other than just the invisible shadow spiders and the uh, and the the uh, the fucking lurker-like things that were in the ceiling. Mm -hmm. There was going to be another thing that was in there that I won't reveal, but uh, I took those guys completely out. I lowered the number of enemies, I lowered the amount of hit points, and I increased the amount of light in the room. To account for only two people at the time. Yeah. So that was me taking it easy on you guys. What did Danny feel like? Because you have to think about it. Me and Ulf, by this point, is slowly getting to, like, we can work, like, like, like I said, team, you have to learn team aspects because this is a, basically a, a community game, a group game. Yeah. So, so far, we've been dealing up to that point being in as an actual group. And then when that group was whittled down to just two people, then we have to learn a whole new dynamic. Yeah, it's a different dynamic. And that's why it's also important to have those character moments, like, I think, narratively. Or not even if it's narrative, but at the very least, like, having those moments of being able to RP with another player, regardless of whether how, like, intense or, like, like how um, relaxed it can be. Uh, those moments do inform decisions later and relationships later for your characters as they deal with each other, like, interpersonally. It's yeah. very interesting to have, like, a group of four or five people. It's even more interesting to see the relationships that those people have within that group with each other. Yeah, it's what separates D&D from, like, a game of checkers and players from pawns. Mm -hmm. um, I've been in games where it's just a combat and you don't really have that aspect of the game, and you don't become attached to the characters, and there's no consequence to the game that's, oh, well, if I die, I can just make another character, but... When you have those relationships, not only does it enhance the end game, but it just adds stakes and just makes the game more worth it. Yeah, well said. Because um, because this would be a good question for everyone. As everyone become attached to your character to a point where like, yeah, you have backup characters, but you make sure you extra cautious not to get your character to be. Um, let's say so far. Zyder got to the closest of getting like killed off completely. Yeah, Zyder was the closest one to dying, and he's no longer with us because he flew away on a dragon. <laughs> this is a question open for everyone. I mean, yeah, I guess I do have an attachment to, to Vice. Vice is still pretty new in the game, so um, I definitely have an attachment to Vice as a character, as an OC, they have existed outside this game. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vice's attachment to the game will come with time and relationship building. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I think with the uh, with the characters that, I, that I've that i had, that I've gotten to play in my friend's game, 
Um, yes, there's absolutely an, an attachment, and it's very interesting how much you can, I think, how much you can grow an attachment to a character, regardless of how much time you or effort you've put into it. Because if you live those moments as those character at that character, eventually it does hit different in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like I, in the current game that I'm playing with my friend, right? I'm playing on my sec on my on my first character. I made two characters for this game. I made one character that after the first session I played that character, uh, he abducted a different character because he was supposed to be like antagonistic, and abducted him, went away, and I didn't get to play that character for a year and a half like in real time and that and that character i had put three months worth of work on also homebrewing their stuff on so i had a lot of like backstory and a lot of a lot of like connection to that character on a prep level but actual play i played the next session when my cousin my cousin when my dm told me hey you need to make a new character so you can play tonight I'm like, oh shit. So I made a new character right then and there, like three hours before session. And I made a awesome R Ranger that I had literally two sentences of backstory for. Nothing major. And I played that character for two years straight. And and when that care when it came time for that character to be immolated and die at the hands of a lich, it fucking hurt. <laughs> it really fucking hurt. But it's like one of those things that's like it felt almost unavoidable because I knew that eventually my main character was going to come back, my like original character that I put in. But regardless of this character's status as a temporary character and having no backstory, having played the game with him and lived those like moments in that character, you absolutely grow an attachment regardless somehow. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but it's like getting an attachment to like something you've created, I guess. Yeah, I created a character and was running a game with, uh, well, I was in a game with Salty and uh, some other people, and um, but because of the roleplay and just the connection, I'd, for- I've, uh, I'd enforced this character when I killed them off to hopefully better the story and development. Um, it was a really heart-wrenching moment. Like, like tears were shed. It was... And it definitely stuck, sticks out in my memory to this day. Mm. I, I, I I could talk about it and uh, Salty will tear up, but I don't know if they're going to speak to it, but... Nah, fuck off. It hurts. <laughs> I like to think I achieved that effect when I we... Uh, once again, can't see the audience, air quoting... Killed off Maxim. You are muted. <laughs> we can't hear right. you. Right, it definitely caused some emotions for some characters, for sure. Because my idea for it, I've been jumping back into my comic books. And I was like, what if we use the death and return for Superman of Superman for Maxim? Is that what you were going for? At first, it was I was gonna let's let's create um, a character that we all have to fight. You know, like no matter what the party does, it's coming straight from Maxim. Like right, have every and I like Vice characters so much. I wanted literally Vice to just audibly through the whole fucking fight, be like, "What the fuck did you do for this fucking thing to come at us?" 
<laughs> like seriously, this wasn't what I want originally. One hundred percent been the case of what would have happened. Because I wrote two. Like, I wrote. What did you guys do for this to happen? Because there's no way this is just happening. No, this is how this is how I wrote it. Like with all the possible outcomes, this is like there's three. There was three scenarios. There's the scenario that you and me came up with, where the shadow and then me getting pulled in. That was the first. That was the second scenario. The first scenario was the doomsday esque looking fight. Right. Um. But like. Well, but Vice already knows, like, okay, Alaria and Mouse is still technically new partnering with Maxon because they, they all have said, oh, we're just recently teamed up with Maxon. Mm-hmm. So I will always be like, all right, Vice, we couldn't assume. All right, this is pre, this is Maxon before he even joined up with anybody else. Yeah, like, like technically, Maxon is the only surviving member of Campaign 1. So, like, yes. like, every other player is a new player for Campaign 2. And then the third one was a enemy type who I was like, let's have him join up with Vilgrad since you said Vilgrad was our elusive man of this D&D campaign. So I was like, alright, Mass Effect. Let's get a Kai Lang-esque character in here. Hmm. So It's, it's this- so funny too because the originally what I had planned for Maxon's like, departure was so much more different and a bit more bombastic. But I did end up liking the way that it came out because although it came out a lot less, a lot less like dramatic, <laughs> dramatic than I had planned for, I think it was poignant, which was important. I think that kind of like out of nowhereness was a little bit more, a little more impactful than I than I ha- could have planned for. But I'm happy it happened to Mouse as a character. Yeah, because since Mouse is not on this podcast, and I can actually say this audibly with everyone else, um, and I will trust Vice not to bring this up at any old time or put this within their character. I mean, unless they just listen to this podcast when it comes out. I doubt it. Has has Mouse has ever once said they've been listening to the podcast? Uh, Mouse... If you're listening to this and you hear this exact sentence, message me right now that you heard this. I dare you. I mean, not literally at time of recording. I mean, like, when you're listening to this playback. (laughs) But, (laughs) so, I'm fully intent with... Now, this is where the Scott program aspect comes in. I'm back. It's been seven months for me, but it's been a week for for everyone else. I'm fully intent with being like. So when I said, "Okay, now Maxon's this is this is a different Maxon I dealt with a week ago," I was like, "I'm gonna play up on that." Like Maxon, it's not gonna take want to take leadership back. Nah. Yeah, I loved that moment, like in the recent game, where you're just like, "What do you mean? Like, no, you go for it, Mouse. Let's see, go ahead and lead." It's <laughs> really interesting because I because ultimately Mouse isn't ready as a character at least yeah. from what I see. So uh, how they um, approach it will be interesting. Are they going to hand it off and rely on somebody else, or what's what's going to go on? And that was the interesting speculation. That is the story narrative aspect, and that's why Christian like you should be a code DM or something. Because <laughs> I have been writing this ever since we was introduced to Mouse, and I learned more about Finley like during the other D group that y'all have and then learning more about mouse i literally creating narratively okay we need it feels like mouse needs a 
there's always a point in the campaign where you get like there's a character moment for everyone. Like it felt like in campaign one, Maxon learned he can't be always saying he's going to do something, and then it blows back in his face. Hence the what happens to Mistra, Edmund, Vahia, and Lonk being taken by Solomon, and then also Sister Gadiel. He promised he'll protect them. They're gone. Yeah, right. he can't. Yeah, and on what you said about like characters having moments, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I always write. I don't know if anyone else does write my characters with room to grow and regress. So mm-hmm. I, I have room for them to arc in some way, which um, makes things very interesting. Like I'm already thinking like what how each moment in interaction is going to affect the future and how this trajectory is going to change. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I have a very similar process to how I like write the NPCs for our games. Mm-hmm. Because like I do I've never liked the idea of writing a complete character. Like there like if it, it it if it makes sense, I have so much more fun writing broken characters mm-hmm. because of that aspect of being able to like let like D&D gives you that opportunity of at, at least creatively being able to create a character without having a mm-hmm. end to their story. Yeah, and my trajectory, I have my trajectory perfect, well, my, my process written, so if I can't develop on their own, they're, the way, if they're on their own, they're just going to stagnate. Mm-hmm. I write it with an accordance to the party members. I write advice specifically in accordance to events and party members to have them influence. Yeah. I, I guess this is where we were connected in that, in that aspect, Lice, because when I started when we started campaign two and close to at the end of campaign one, learning more about Laria, learn more about mouse. And then we get into campaign two, learning more about Kush, Scarlet and your character. I was like, okay, so how's Maxon going to evolve? Cause he's, cause I'm already used to playing with three of the people who are no longer, well, f- by this point, four who are no longer with us anymore. Well, to our audience, they're not dead. They just decided to take a break and step away from D&D. <laughs> so they may come back. Well, I actually know one person for sure is not coming back. But the others, they, yeah. could, they could come back. But I learned to like tailor Maxon to like those characters. So now that I am the only person coming back from Campaign 1, well, who came back from Campaign 1, I'm like, okay, this is how Alaria is. So Maxon needs to learn how to be himself but then still keep that promise of like all right larry wants to keep a low profile all through neverwinter which means maxim needs to be toned down in tone in his tone around the but he knows he could be his full self if he's around vice mouse and everyone else because they're all like mm-hmm. let's go fucking have fun let's go wreck some shit yeah i hope uh i know you were mentioning vice kind of threw a wrench in how you plan to play maxim mm-hmm very, I, I hope, it just, uh, that's what I was hoping. I know you were saying that, that I know the other players aren't no, super experienced in roleplay at this point in time. Yeah. And um, I was wondering what it's like for you to have a step in with, to a game with another uh, role player. It helps me, like, seeing you how you play Vice helps me try to be better as a role player. So, like, coming back, I was like, okay. I'm going to be campaign one Maxon, but only because narratively we want Mouse to grow. So we want Mouse to be like, you have leadership qualities when you have someone giving you direct, like not being directing you, 
but like giving you direction like you can do this not to you can still have fun drink smoking shit because vice does it <laughs> vice has a, a great crew because i remember before my character we wrote my character out for two sessions you said you had a clan that was a well-oriented machine better than what we're currently you, you stepped into so i was like i figured like okay let's play this like i was like in a way you helped me like all right this is how max is going to come back in a different attitude wise so the smirks the winks like i wanted to be the different max that you met was it eight sessions we've been doing this for campaign two mm-hmm. yeah yeah so campaign two campaign two is about to be at 10 sessions i think Damn. Yeah, so this is like the that was like the last session was like the fourth session with Vice, third or fourth session. I with think Vice. so. Yeah. So like I wanted it was like I wanted that like you get like all right you seen Maxim for those though for those and then he comes back and he's not the same person who you've met. Yeah. What do you make of what you've seen of Vice so far joining in the campaign? So far, and also I have intentionally did not join up on those last. Well, coming in at the, towards the end of the last one. So I intentionally, I do not want to know anything that is going on with everyone. I want to be like, I, I was legit gone. So when I came in, that I saw Savage. So I was like, oh, this is a new character. Let me, let's, let, let's, let's play, let's play this new Max and who he doesn't know this person. But he's, he's like, this, he's going to be jovial. The jovial Max like campaign, um, episode one, campaign one, Maxon. <laughs> that's so, still a different maxon that is that is a very different maxon i and and also still this is a different maxon and this is also a credit to vice for the advice they gave i was like i tapped back into that one because that maxon was more of like an information broker maxon yeah like that's he, true like he act the way he did so he can get information on people so like he'll act you yeah <laughs> Because it was like, ask certain questions that won't cause the other person or another player character to be like, what the fuck is up with this person? But I did it enough. Wait, to, I did it enough. Ask questions that don't do that? Because that's all you did. Oh, no, no, no. Here's the thing, though. No one did a check to see what was my intention. It was because it was either I was playing it like I was new in town or I was drunk. This time around, when I did it, Vice had the role to see, like, what's up with Max and Smirk and, and his wink. And what's up, yeah. with the, what's up with the demonic eyes that he now has? It's, yes, yeah. I'm also a very experienced player. I'll, we have to keep in mind that a lot of the players you're playing with are not experienced in that regard. Yeah. Um, which is like what you're saying with, uh, you know, when you were saying that we're putting Mouse into it, we're also, I'm also trying to encourage and make sure Finley, the role player, mm-hmm. um, is... Uh, comfortable? Yeah, is comfortable and... Uh, you know, um, feels supported and safe, and um, and we're not pushing them too much out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Because putting making putting the spotlight on someone who isn't uh, necessarily um, familiar with role playing can be really really intimidating, especially if they're unsupported. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's also why I um, how why I play vice the way I do as an experienced role player is to help prod and poke and encourage other people to step out of their comfort zone while also making a fool of myself because that kind of hopefully lessens and breaks down that barrier but it helps a little way yeah i was gonna play uh, max and for mouse the big brother 
uncle type from else. Hmm. That's how I was gonna do it. Like you know, See, like, it is working though. I was gonna do. I was gonna. I was gonna pull the Vin Diesel. You know, you're part of family now. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting how to see how uh, going forward that mouse is played. Um, mm-hmm. If um, that that trauma that you inevitably probably caused yeah. as Maxon, if that is dealt with and uh, impacts um, the relationship between Maxon and Mouse in the future, or right. if it's just blown past. I've got a feeling because of how the way we played Campaign 1, there is going to be a point where we have to RP that. Probably. Because we we have done sessions in campaign one where we had to like address certain things like my character. I want to say like what the twentieth, the twenty fifth. We call it an episode. I'm gonna call it episodes. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm calling it an episode. In the twentieth episode, when we had to deal with Butterskull Ranch, Maxim finally uh, blurted out like, "Oh, I'm married, and I have a kid." Yeah. Everyone was fucking shocked. When it I wasn't played. until like episode twenty, yeah, that you were like, "I'm married," and everyone's like, "You sure, sh- you heathen? You're married? Why haven't you said anything?" Yeah. No, this is before the where I had to lie and I said I was doing my thing. <laughs> this like we started Butterskull Ranch when we was um, when that came out, and then we had the RP that, and then we had the RP even more because of what the situation I put uh, Max in it. You yeah, mean, like you mean Ulf finding finding you like uh, quote unquote um, in the throes of passion. To give context for Bison for everyone else, Ulf never trusted Maxon because he was a rogue and a thief. Well, I'm still a rogue and a thief, so he assumed I was going to go off doing what I what is my my character profession. So I had and to. I confirmed it. Is what you're about to say, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, you was gonna have. Um, oh my god. It was a fifty-fifty shot whether she slapped you or went along with it. You also had her had a knife behind my back, to planning to stab me right there and then. Yeah, she was gonna stab you too. So it was. It was that like how well I was gonna roll for that. So I was like, the power of the dice compelled, and it gave me a good roll. The only reason you didn't end up with a knife in your back and, like, a laughing ulf was because of the dice rolls. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting to think um, and wonder about and speculate about how uh, that sort of thing come and get you. Um, is it going to be an NPC from your past to uh, fuck shit up? Or are you know, is your character going to fuck something up and your party's going to have to, like, um, then party's going to have to address your actions? Yeah. That's one of my favorite ones, personally. Especially if that happens with this current character, that'll be. Oh, tell about the time you guys accidentally killed a guard. I think they already know that by this point. Well, we talked about it so many times. Vice, do you know that? I don't think so. I'm not list. Oh, wow! All right, I guess oh, here we go. Um, for our listeners, if you heard this for the upteen time, um, and you want to about upteen time. <laughs> We have I, could also, I could also hear about it later. How <laughs> am I talking about it? Because it's, it's really fucking funny. Um, so we needed to get information. This is like we're ramping up. Like, what's what the hell is going on with the town of Fandolin? And, like, what why this dragon is back and everything. And we figured because the town mayor has been there the longest, he must have information. 
but he won't leave his hut. He, he's agoraphobic. So my idea was to put the ring of defenestration on him and he, let me cue this up. Where is it at? By we, the way, they had a ring of defenestration. We yeeted his ass out his own house. <laughs> well, we, by me, by me, when I say we, me, yeeted him out his own house. And then yeah, we had... Max snuck in. Maxon broke into his house while the other players kept the mayor distracted at the door, snuck up behind him, and, st- and stuck the ring on his finger, thereby yeeting him 25 feet out of the nearby window, then tossing him into the dirt and causing him to leave a little trail. <laughs> this is an agoraphobic man who hasn't seen the light of day in over 10 years. And also, I stole, over four, I stole 400 gold out of his... Um... Yeah, you also stole his money. On top of that. <laughs> I, was, I had to be the thief. So I stole what was technically owed to us. He was going to get it back either way by collecting taxes. And we was going to get more money. And we did get, we did get more money. Because you, got, you fully know that you guys went back and still told him to pay you. And this man still paid you. Yeah. I am a thief. <laughs> and a con artist. Come on. You got paid double your fucking job because you stole it once, waited a week, and guilted this man into paying you anyways. Do you want me to show you my character sheet in my alignment? Oh, your alignment. Chaotic neutral. <laughs> I can go either way. And I have done that in campaign one. So Yes. It's very obvious we can talk about the love the, the, the Max and Ulf love connection anytime. That too. We all know Ulf is the power bottom and I'm the power um, <laughs> He's the one who receives. I'm the one who gives. That's hilarious with him being the cleric. Mm. Um, oh yeah, we do have a music of um, Benita plays a um, a dragonborn bard mm-hmm. who sings the love of Maxon and Ulf. Yep, I'm pretty sure that song is going to come up at some point during. Campaign yep, she two. was she was uh, she was inspired after witnessing the 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 love shine through in combat. Between Maxon and Ulf, Starcross lovers. I absolutely love me. that. Um, that's fantastic. Because we do, did... we do we do we have any ships for any current party members? Currently, no. Mm. The jury's still out on that one. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of people are simping over Savage. She is um, a gothy girlfriend that's very muscular so yeah what basically you're confirming what is there to not simp over got it yeah so it's the is the spike and drusilla vibes i've been seeing in the chat because <laughs> i was like when she, i saw her attitude is also very like harley quinn jinx kind okay. of vibes so nice. she's she's also an inch so it's it's spicy. like yeah, it's like very nurturing, but I'm also gonna stab you. <laughs> yeah, where's, where's Jinx from? I, I, I'm not, where's Jinx from? I don't, I don't know the character. Jinx, uh, arcane. 
Yeah, or uh, League of Legends. Uh, I don't know that. I know when you say Harley Quinn, I was like, when you say Harley Quinn, I was like, okay, I know where the vibes you're getting with for Harley Quinn. Yeah. yeah. If you know comics, I can give you a hint that Vice is definitely Joker vibes. Okay. Now I will next. Uh, well, mm. You shouldn't have told him that. <laughs> Don't metagame. <laughs> that honestly, with how much me- with how much he knows about uh, in comics, that is a little bit of a metagame. Hey, it doesn't give you any juicy details. It just kind of gives you an idea of who you're dealing with. Yeah. It, 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 that does kind of help. But Maxon doesn't have any clue. Yeah. And that's why I'm playing Maxon back to campaign one Maxon. So he can play, essentially get, understand his team a lot more. If he's not playing the, how it was the first four, the first four sessions of campaign two. Because he was playing it like he was always in pain. He was serious. He was always angry. And I think I... I barely cracked a joke in the first four sessions. Like, you literally wouldn't sleep anywhere in the same distance as the party, mm-hmm. and you would famously always brood on a roof. Yeah. I was keeping to myself. Like, that was your thing. You're like, I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm going to get on the roof. <laughs> now, Max and technically, he didn't sleep, but he meditated in Kush's room. Mm-hmm. So that was the first... That, actually, that was a long time... That was a change for sure. You're like, I'm meditating. I'm like, you're meditating? Okay. Maxon has not been in the same room with a party member since. Been almost a full year, man. Yeah. No, no. It's almost. It's towards, been, towards the it's end of campaign one. Towards the end of campaign one. Because when we, when, was, uh, when Vihir got us the rooms at, in Fandolin. Right. I was able to get my own room. But prior to that point, we was all in the same space, always. Right. So you guys I, didn't have a lot of alone time or anything like that. Yeah. So I would say, in real time, it's been what six, seven months since Maxon has been with any, been in the same room with anyone. Yeah, for Maxon, it has been seven months since you've like actually physically seen living people. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, it's good. It's, I think it's a good uh, character-wise, and watching, going, getting back reading again, and like, all right, how can we tailor Max? And like, he was too much. <clears throat> I was. I remember we was talking about this. I was playing Max too much. Like I was playing Dragon Age, because that was like that was my only like that was my way into like getting into D and D. And for the most part, that's fine because it definitely gives you like a intro point. But the thing is, it's not the same game at the core. It's very, it's a good way to like get yourself familiar and get your feet wet and for you to kind of get the core rule set a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But the mechanics of it, like the way that it plays, that's very different. Yep. And then we got more and more within the campaign, then that, and you have noticed. The character has changed. Maxon like, has changed at least four times, in my opinion. These last in two, my opinion, from what I've seen, these last two intentional. I would say the last, the other ones were actual character growth and player growth. Yeah, because it felt like I finally got D and D, and I finally like getting the combat aspects, and then 
like <laughs> learning to play with other people in a combat setting. You want to know something a little fucked up that I just made a comparison in my mind? Yeah. Seeing you grow and develop in D&D reminds me a lot of tutoring at the tutoring center. And seeing somebody from the beginning of the year and then seeing them at the end of the year where they're like passing their classes. Yeah, that is a little bit fucked up. It's a little fucked up, but I'm not gonna lie, it gives me the same sense of satisfaction. Damn. And we've been planning this damn D&D campaign since, what, 2019? We've been planning to play D&D since like 2018, dude. Really? Like we've been pla- we've been talking about D&D, you and I, since before we started the podcast. Technically, I was doing the podcast before you joined. That's true. But before okay, before I joined. So, technically we was talking about D&D. Yeah, goddamn. So in like 2018. Fuck. Right? But you've been more immersed in it because you was actually playing with the group while I was more reading Wine. reading and watching Critical Role. Well, back back when we were talking about it, I had never played D&D yet. When you and I first started talking about it, that was before I joined that game. Yeah. That was before I ever made my own character. That was before I started any of this rabbit hole of what is now a major core of my personality. <laughs> And the amount of friends that you have accumulated. Exactly. Like, it's so crazy how much D&D has weirdly affected my life. Like, I've, I've, I, I, in like weirdly every aspect. I don't know how else to say that. Do you feel the same way, um, Vice? For you? Because I remember you saying you had some bad experiences in groups, though. Yeah, um, I have had bad experiences in D&D. I've been playing for a few years. A lot of games uh, fall through, unfortunately. Um, I have had games that uh, I've had toxic players, um, players that weren't fun to play with, and I kind of just stepped out. And I'd had games where the DM style just couldn't match mine, and I stepped out. You gotta, yeah. you gotta find the group. And unfortunately, there's a lot of groups that have issues that do not get addressed that lead to the eventual disbanding of the group. Yeah, and that's why it's important, just like you're communicating with characters in-game, that we communicate as a group outside of game, where there's mm-hmm. issues that are rising. And, like, me as a role-player, as an experienced role-player, I'm not just role-playing, I'm also watching the, group's experience, watching the group to make sure I'm not overstepping, mm-hmm. or that I'm still including um, other players and things like that, because that's what you should be doing as a player is to make sure you're not you're not necessarily having the spotlight and you're aware of how your group's doing yeah. yep. so <clears throat> some of my words that's why i like campaign too because everyone's backstory and what can potentially happen as we go forward is way more interesting than anything we came up with um with maxin well but, to be fair honestly only only maxin and Ulf really had backstories in the last campaign that were ever really touched on. Oh, that's the back. But that's the story I did not know. I did not I really did not know that? Because Vahia had a backstory, but nothing we ever touched on. Lonk didn't have a backstory really, like a little bit, but barely. And Zyder had literally not a single sentence. 
<clears throat> excuse me. I do not have my water. So, do you see stylistically the difference here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're in campaign two. Everybody's got a fucking backstory. Yeah. And that's why I'm more interested in everybody else's backstory. Like, I want to know more about Vice's um, crew. Let's uh, be honest, though. Let's be honest, though. Alaria's backstory, right? Oh, come on. I I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Anything's and, going on in there. I want to hear your speculations. <laughs> I want I want Maxon or Vice to just really just, like, poke the bear to the point where I have a feeling it's going to be like a citywide war. <laughs> And I'm not sure if you no you weren't in last game. Vice just started talking to Alaria. I'm starting to try to there's like interaction going on. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And slowly, slowly trying to gain trust for whatever reason, be it. They have their reasons, but <laughs> I think this would be the only time Max would be like Do it. <laughs> Cause I wanna know. <laughs> just straight up do it. Yeah, just do it. Cause I'm like, they hate their father. They really wanted to like punch their lights out. But remember, I kept on saying, why punch their lights out? We can just like in the throat, just bam. Yeah. Like if you like, you <laughs> really. I mean, like I, I vice was just saying, like, yeah, punch your father for inconveniencing, and it's it's so funny just knowing who vice is. That that is just such a minor thing. <laughs> well, a minor thing to you may be a very different thing to a different player. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the minor thing as in, like, Alaria wanting to punch their dad, like, vice versa, no, just fucking kill the bitch. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, mm-hmm. that, that is the difference between Vice and Max. Max is like, why punch where you can just disfigure? Because he, he dealt with elves who are, wants to be prestigious, wants to carry themselves, but then he met someone like the name who I forgot who made his sword, who is so... Oh, Sidrus. Sidrus, who... Butt-asshole naked, with nothing but a, a tarp on, making swords, dirty as hell, like... I, that's the person who I would drink and smoke with, because they like to get dirty. So, like, seeing, like, we're, we're meeting, like... It's getting to the point where Maxon has dealt with a different society of people before, and now he's getting to where he's meeting people where it's vastly different he's learning to not he's learning to not assume the stereotype on a lot of different races and stuff. because here's <laughs> the thing because i intentionally wrote it that way the stereotypes are there because where he's from yeah you're from an outside country that has never dealt with the specific kinds of like racial me back that exist here to my favorite line of vice human or asshole and then I think I replied, asshole. That's honestly still my favorite line from Vice. <coughs> and, I, and I'm like, let's go along with it. Let's assume Maxon is the asshole because the way how, I guess we can go a little bit more of Max's backstory. He, the way how I approached his character, his life was upended at the age of 12. Though, like, the news spread out, like, oh, the family Trevelyan was murdered by a 12-year-old kid. The eldest child is left to pick up the pieces. And he's assumed to be killed, like, in prison. All right there, Sasuke. Well. 
Uh, I would love to share more about Vice's backstory. Oh, that's right. That's right. I have been rewatching Naruto, and I have got to that point. <laughs> Do you get what I mean now when I say that? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going back watching Ghost in the Shell. But <clears throat> that's where we put. So Max and the prison he was in was is in his uh is a thieves guild that we we um that I created. So but that thieves guild don't trust Max from doing world missions. So like you're encountering Max where he's technically in year three of him being traveling around the world. It's like <clears throat> It's basically like, hey, you want to move up to be the next, like, rung to be able to, like, you know, interact at a level where you're talking with other guild, like, heads and guild members, like, face-to-face at, like, a, <clears throat> a certain level of respect kind of thing. But you're but you're not going to see around, like, no, we're going to make you have to learn about this yeah. and get some experience. That's kind of, like, the idea of, uh, of, like, why you were sent out. Yeah. So, like, we also put in a little backstory. His wife don't like the fact that he took that mission. Because he's like, he needs to be a better thief. He needs to be, like, he has to have his own perspective of being a thief in order if he wants to be a better, a proper leader. Or if yeah. he wants to ever stay in the guild. Yeah. And we, have, uh, and, we, and we have played where he doesn't want to necessarily be a leader, and we played where he don't want to do certain things for the benefit of the guild, like he wants to ch- like change the guild in a different way. Yeah, I remember back when you were like, "I wanted to be an assassin's guild," and you're like, "Maybe not." Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I'm like, <laughs> that that was something we did not want to talk about yet. You spoiled it. We've talked about that before. We talked about it. We haven't. I, we haven't no talked. Worries, to- I am not a meta gamer. If there's one thing that I've I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't even remember how that was a spoiler. <laughs> but because, okay, because we, we didn't talk about it in front of other people, and we're recording it with other people who will now know. Because I did. No, want, yeah. I, what I'm saying is that that idea was scrapped. No, the idea brought. I brought the idea back up, and you said, "Let's do this. Let's get to that point where Max don't want to be, don't want okay. his team to be in uh, the Assassin's Guild." Uh, I'm trying to play 4D chess and give you an out. Yeah. And I said, and I did say, let's do this. Let's go with it. Let's go with it. Let's brainstorm. This is uh, this is our brainstorming podcast. <laughs> let's, do you want to brainstorm it right now? Just a little bit, because I figured Vice has a badass team. You know, uh, I maybe they're more the assassin. Vice said openly, he has to take. They have to take out. I mean, um, DM can share with what share what with what Maxon would know about this group. Cause I'm sure Maxon might have some information. So, a little bit. So Maxon, remember how I told you that your group would be recognized by a certain like echelon? Yeah. No, not yours. Vice's. Yeah. No, I'm asking Vice right oh, now. Oh, sorry. Wait, what? About? Like, remember how I told you that your group is known by a certain echelon of people? Yes. Maxon is trying to become... at. Uh, Maxon is at the level where he's starting to... When he reaches the level he's trying to attain, that's... Those people would know who your group is. Ah, so they wouldn't even heard whispers. He would have heard whispers at this point. Only by name, but not of anything you guys have done. Like, Maxon, you would have heard the name Noctgeiser, but... Pra- like think of it this way. It's like I was, only because 
playing so much Halo stuff right now. Right? I would, I would put, in, Halo. in my in my in my head, Kenan, I would figure Max's Guildmaster would know more than he would. Yeah, your Guildmaster would know who the Nike Knocked Geyser are. That's how. That's how. I, that's how I put it. Like he will like in his training, he would know. Like because I think you said Vice, um, your character was what fifty three or fifty nine years old. Yes, that's correct. Fifty nine. So, Max will only know like bits and like because we, we, you mentioned he will only know bits and pieces through like through his training up to the point where like okay, you're now good enough to like go out. So like, like he knows. Essentially, when you would have heard the name Noctgeiser, it would have been used to you like the boogeyman, like the boogeyman of like thieves guilds. But his thing to you notice, and I'm pretty sure. Well, actually, we have I haven't done it, played it up this much, this session, this cam- <laughs> this campaign. Maxon has been being nonchalant on all the adventures that they've been going through. Oh, I've noticed. I've noticed. The only time he was ever nonchalant about anything was he was physically in pain. You gave him a heart attack, and he told Max yeah. to take care of his family. Yep. That's only, th- and that's all in this campaign too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then now we're here we are a week later remember how campaign one the entirety of campaign one was like two weeks what like the amount of time that passed for campaign one was like i'm sorry not two weeks like a month <laughs> still either way fuck that's what yeah. happens when you don't have a lot of players and putting backstories, time doesn't really time skip just a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of in the moment stuff. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So because of that, right? All of campaign one, from when you met Vahia and Zyder met Ulf, Ulf till when you guys fought uh uh uh, uh Solomon. And Cryovane. And Cryovane was a month in game. Fucking hell! <laughs> and you know where, where how much time has passed since the beginning of campaign two to now, like in game? I think two weeks. Three. Three. Okay. Yeah, because of that week passage. Yeah, like it's been three weeks now since the beginning of campaign two. I feel like this one's gonna span in game a lot longer time. Yeah, it will. It will. I'm surprised we have not. Um, no one has recognized Maxon as the hero of Fandolin. And I hope that does not come up. <clears throat> well, a barely anybody knows what the fuck Fandolin is because it was a it's it's a up and coming town. Okay, it's like up and coming. Like that town was established like two years before that. Or three and years truthfully, before. if Vice did know, Vice wouldn't give a shit. It's one of those places where it's just like yeah, like it's one of those places where it's small enough that nobody in the main cities would have known what would have happened to them had you guys not stopped cryovane it's it, that's like the kind of the situation with what happened there actually i have a question will cryovane return cuz we didn't kill him it's possible would he have a reason well will cryovane have a reason to fight us cuz technically we left cryovane on good terms in a way Technically, no. Technically, Cryovane doesn't have a beef with you. But he never did. 
He has a beef. Oh, Crybaby has a beef with Solomon. Solomon, uh, he has a beef now with Solomon. I think he did before, and now he does. I think. Uh, well, I mean, well, no, he did have a beef with Solomon since the beginning of that. I, then I think um, Vice and uh, you can say yay or nay. There's there's we, still we, a story that was left unexplained as to why Cryovane was in in Fandolin, as to how he got there, as to as to what the purpose of all that stuff was. All of that never got answered. I still have the reasons for all of that stuff, but you guys have no reason to find out. And the only person that would remember all that would be you. And then I um. Because like we can grieve if you want. I think we should go looking for Cryovane and get further help for that eventual fight with Solomon. But then also have an art, um, a fucking dragon coming into battle with us. It helps. I've done it. It helps. <laughs> like straight up. I've, I've been in battles where we go in with two dragons and I've been fucking scared of still the outcome. What do you think, guys? Should we get it? Should we get ourselves a dragon? <laughs> I'm gonna take that indecision as a yes. <laughs> Try to buy away from the mic. Sorry. On top of that, you don't even know like the size ratings and like the power of different dragons. Yeah. What are you? What, wait, what are you talking about? The we, we may have a dragon friend that can help us out. Wow, I know way too much about D and D dragons. Um, I I know which ones are the strongest and the weakest too. Oh yeah, just off yeah. the top of my head. That's why that's why I'm like hinting to Maxin right now that there are stronger ones. I don't want to tell him specifically which ones, but I, 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 I know I know mostly just the main uh, chromatic and uh, metallic dragons. Uh, those are the mainstays. I know there's other variants like gem. Uh, there's actually like metal dragons like. They get fucking wild. They get wild. And I got a lot of homebrew ones too that I can't wait to drop. And like they've like of the dragons that Maxon has seen, right? Maxon has seen a undead Dracolich. Yeah. And has seen a white dragon. Yep. Managed to survive both. Huh? Managed to survive both. Managed to survive both. Uh the uh, the first one Ulf Ulf took out. Yes, I'm. A, I'm. I'm gonna be straight. The first one was Ulf took that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My upcoming campaign, because of my childhood love for dragons, I, I will hope to have an uh, influencing role, well, huge role, due to dragons. Thanks to dragons. Well, huge dragons would play a huge role. Well, that's half the game, right? <laughs> yeah. And then it was Mouse's idea to convince Cryovane to get on our side. So. And it fucking worked. Remember when? Remember when we were in the middle of a fucking fight for our lives Wait. with a demon, and Mouse was like, "Hey, what if we just asked the dragon to help us out?" Yeah. Is is Cryovane a white dragon? Yes. Yeah. They're literally the weakest. I know. Shh. <laughs> I know. Now there is there is there is no dragon weaker than a white dragon. I know, and on top of that, it was not even a fully grown dragon. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I think the top two heavy hitters are Don't tell him, don't tell him, don't tell him, don't tell him. Okay, I won't. In game, in game. I can tell you of the of, of, It's not of hard to find boys. out. It's just one of those things where it's just like if you don't know, the longer you don't know, the better it is. I can tell you the two biggest the two biggest 
like physically largest? Yeah, physically largest, largest are going to be red and silver. They yeah. they actually hate each other. Red and silver dragons cannot fucking stand each other. Imagine. And what's funny is white dragons are jealous of that beef and want to get on it and on it. So they just kindly like kind of stew to themselves like, oh, I hate yeah. red dragons and I hate silver dragons, but I'm not cool enough to be hated by them. Yep. So. Yeah, yep. and it's there's a whole thing between the different dragons, dude. There's a whole thing. And so, and brass dragons, brass dragons want nothing to do with anything. They just want to just sit in the desert and just like yeah. just, uh, put sleep spells on people so they can talk to them while they're unconscious. Okay. That's basically a brass dragon for the, you. The beef between metallic dragons and chromatic dragons is really interesting. And then on top of that, right? Because I like fucking with shit. Those are not the only two dragon types in my um, game. I have the dragon codexes. Um, I have a couple of the dragon codexes, which are basically like um, stories written in D and D um, that uh, include some of the dragons. So I think I have the silver dragon, the black dragon, and the um, red dragon. And you get to really just dive into the personality because like it's told from the dragon's perspective for part of the story, and it's cool as hell. But it, there's it's such there's such a cool acid, like, facet to D and D that's oftentimes like just either glanced over or just touched the surface of because. I'm going to try to be as general as possible. I homebrewed a dragon type that you guys might be meeting within the next 10 sessions. That is amazing. That's me excited. <laughs> I, as a person, I'm completely and utterly obsessed with dragons, so I can't wait to see what you come up with. And if you need art for these fools... Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I, I unfortunately, because you are a player and you will be involved, I can only ask for the art after I've introduced it. That's true. Because <laughs> um, so far I got my cat, which would be Harley. Not Harley, sorry. Um, Petunia. Petunia. Now I want my direwolf. You want your direwolf? You're going dire after that direwolf you saw, huh? Vice uh, has got themselves a motorcycle. Hey, if Vice like, if you guys convince Vice to like you enough, they might make you one themselves because they, they can build you a bike. Imagine Maxing on a motorcycle or a steam cycle. So far, Maxing has now a rifle that has been introduced. Um, what do you think of the addition of guns, by the way? I remember you was like, hold off on putting that as a skill set. So yeah. that gave me a hint, like, you got something planned. And then when we introduced Alaria, um, I was like, ah, okay. Does but this, that, this does was that give you an idea of how long I've been planning guns yeah. in our game? Yeah, because this was 20... This is character planning stages, so this is 2019. Yeah, like, I literally was like... I, like, Maxon originally wanted to take a gun proficiency. Like, for his character. And I told him, don't do it yet. Because straight up, we're probably not going to see guns in this game yet. And it didn't exist for all of Campaign 1. Because I didn't... I couldn't find a way to add them organically. Now that you guys have gone into the larger cities and all that kind of stuff, it is a lot easier because it's like... I can introduce it as a newer concept, a newer thing that's barely starting to be introduced. Mm -hmm. But because of that, when I started homebrewing that stuff, I was just like, wait, that uh, it, it gave me so much creative license for the whole thing that I made on the warring families in Neverwinter. And then on top of that, like the idea of all these different weapon foundry stuff, I like it has inspired so much that it has it has inspired me to not only make like these different type of weapon foundries and like the specific 
types of augmentations they do to their guns. It has also inspired me to make new enemy types, new damages, new ways to resist stuff magically, new ways to resist stuff non-magically. It's added so much layer to the game for having to fucking figure that out. And I hope that, uh, as well on top of that, by being an independent tinkerer who does stuff on their own, yes. that you get to have a little fun with that. Because like, I, I know that I'm about to finish that elemental weapon. Yes. So you get to have fun with creating that. Yes, 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 for sure. It gives me license for a lot of things. And that's, that's the thing. It's the, That's why the, the, the secondary campaign that we're going to do... Well, not the secondary, but the second campaign, um, uh, which which officially has a name now, um, that one is going to be my creative license for a lot of other aspects of, of... It is my creative license for a lot of things that I came up with originally for Eolith that I couldn't do that I can now do in the other one. I was thinking about that campaign on my way home, and I have some fresh, really funky, fresh ideas for you. Okay. Would you like to hear them? Maybe later. Different sitting... Only because we're on Eolith right now. That is. And the other one is still a concept at the moment. Well, I'll leave it as a concept because it's not finished yet. <laughs> However, yes. There is a like there is so much weird creative license that gets to be had and gets to be created as the result of having to make things fit. And recently, I, I, I don't know about like how you guys plan your, your like D&D stuff, but at least for me recently, um, I've, been, I've been on YouTube a lot, like listening to and, and watching a lot of stuff on lore and like the creation of lore from different franchises that I love. And it's so funny because like watching these interviews from like the creators of different franchises, like re- at least most recently because the game is about to be out, um, I've been watching a lot of stuff on like the original Halo. And I've been watching stuff on like how you know the 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 devs react to you know people playing the games and uh, the creators like the creative writers and stuff like uh, talking about like how they came up with processes or commenting on things in the game that you can see the difference on like what it's like to build a universe experience first and lore second. Which was a weird concept to me because I always looked at it like, like at least when when I traditionally would tackle what I'm making up for you guys, I would look at it from a standpoint of like, well, I need to make the lore, and if I make the lore, I'll be able to figure out uh, uh, what I can, what the players can do inside of that. Mm-hmm. When I realized that by looking at like a lot of the franchises that I love, for example, Halo. And the way that they built their lore and how rich it is and how like like multifaceted it is, I realized none of that was made until there was mechanics made in the game for people to play with, yes. and then they had to figure out a creative way to explain those things. Yeah, um, how that puts into D and D, kind of like I'm waiting for my players to give me backstory. Like I can't create a world that doesn't work with my players. Like. Which is why my game is taking forever to, to start, and I'm sure other DMs will understand that we, um, especially roleplay heavy campaigns, you have to wait on a. I can't. You can't have. You can't make a, a pu- like a puzzle without with missing pieces essentially. And players are a huge, huge part, and, and especially in homebrew campaigns. Like I'm building the world out from where my players are. 
Mm -hmm. I'm like, because I don't have to do and bite off this entire continent um, yeah. that they may not even be a part of. So, yeah. It just recently, yeah, I, I agree with you. It It's put me in the perspective of regardless of the media that it is and regardless of how you're trying to build lore or story, you have to think of what's going to be consumed by your audience and how is that going to inspire the things that they creatively look for because if if you make if you make a ship for example nobody's going to care about the water around you unless you give them a reason to care about the ship they're on first of all i guess that's the best way I can yeah that kind of like that kind of, i mean that makes sense it kind of, kind of ties in what i'm saying like when you don't have like a backstory and or don't have any context for anything there's no consequence Essentially, like yeah. why, why care? Why care if like there's no permanence to it? Yeah, because I guess yeah, the point is to feel like these characters are lived in, or at the very least, live in the world that you're putting them in. <laughs> What's your perspective on the matter, good sir? My perspective on the matter, um, when we started, you technically helped me create Maxon. It was collaborative. It was collaborative because we already knew I wanted to play a rogue. Mm -hmm. And you put in, was like, use what you know already, which would have been the Dragon Age series. Right. So I was like, okay. So, but we also said, you, you said it right there and you've been repeating yourself for the last two years. You have to work within the confines of what you can do in this game. And we Technically, have to, you can do everything. It's just... We have... We, 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 the... Remember, I had up... And this is... I'm going to keep on doing this. Can I do... Okay. I'm going to always ask, can I do this? Yeah. There was yeah. only two times I remember you had to stop and like, wait... Yeah, 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 you can do that. The me jumping on cryovane and free falling over a thousand feet back down to the ground. Yeah, exactly. I was just, I remember that because it was one of those moments of like, there's no way. And I'm like, wait, no, yeah, he can do it. That's cool as shit. But, <laughs> but then the look of fear in your face when I'm free falling. Oh, do you remember that? Because legit, I thought you were going to die. <laughs> and remember what I told you, situational awareness. Cause I, yeah, had... I know, because I, I described the, the thing as I had described it, and even in my head. So for context, right, for those that don't know what's going on, there was a point during the last fight, during the, during the penultimate fight to uh, Cryovane, the fight with Solomon, um, Maxon took it upon himself to use his newfound grappling hook that he found mid-combat, use it to attach himself to the back of the dragon as it flew up, then launched himself onto the dragon, onto its leg, like over 200 feet in the air, something like that, as the dragon, uh, like, tried to attack at it, the dragon, like, knocked him off, and I described to Maxon as he plummeted uh, th through the air, like, plummeted down, that he is directly over the inn. There is nothing but a small well and like a, a wagon next to him. 
and uh and you know like people in the middle and all that but i'm like you are falling dude you're falling 200 feet and i was legitimately scared because i was like i'm pretty sure he's not gonna make it like he has not enough hit the, the, the hit points are not there he's too high up like he is not gonna get up from this he will he will not literally walk away from this and i and, and i remember audibly asking you let me know when i'm at a certain amount of feet so i can grapple hook the wagon and go right into the bell of hay. Still took hit points. It still took hit points. Because it's falling points. I, I was like, I got it. I get that. But it's still going to cushion the blow for me to still get up and be in the fight. And it was enough. It was just enough. He fell, and I think I think when you were like within 60 feet, you timed it and you used your grappling hook. Or no, you were within 100 feet, I think it was. Yeah. And like, you timed it and you grappled yourself over closer to the hay and like Bam! Right into the hay, and you took like you you made the deck save, so you took half damage on the fall, and on top of that, didn't take full damage because you were landing in the hay, and that was just above I remember like the f- total amount of hit points that you had taken away. Like you were you were not good, but you survived. And the only way we came good again because Sister Gadiel did the full heal for everybody. Exactly, Sister Gadiel was that like that like clutch like hey you guys got. A, a a cleric on your side. They will help you for a time. But I did play them like automated NPCs. I didn't play them like full players. And I played it like, I, I figured you're like she was mercy. She was our mercy. Yeah, exactly. Get was, back, like, get back into the fight. Like, <laughs> get back into the fight. Exactly. The way I figured, I'm like, she's got minor heals, one like team save and a major big move. That's how I was picturing. That was, that was my Overwatch moment. Yeah. <laughs> I was Genji at the moment. You were Gen- you were Genji maining, and fucking Gadiel was <laughs> Mercy in yeah. the tent, just making sure you didn't fucking die. See, I like to pull like I like to pull video game references for Maxon, so like there will be times where I'll pull Spider Man or Batman out of my ass for the grappling hook for um, for certain things. But over- but oh, back to the question you asked for overall for Maxon, it was Dragon Age originally. I was playing it, but then I was like, at some point, at some point towards, we got to the Woodland Mats, I feel like, I was like, it's time oh, to stop, I need, I need to play, like, Max, Vice, need- have we told you anything about the Woodland Mats? I think I told you about the time that they, they caught a building on fire. My fault. <laughs> Vice, you there? What's up? Uh, do you remember anything about the uh, about hearing about the woodland mats? I don't. Mm. Maxon, would you like to tell the tale of uh, what you learned from the woodland mats? The woodland mats. That was that was actually fun. That was a lot of fun. That was that was still one of the fucking top three sessions I can remember. Um, I think we was responding to an attack that was happening to us at uh, Falcon's Lodge, and it led and it led all the way back to this um, mansion. Um, at first, and I did not, and this was one of the times I did not use the ability to see if like there was pigs all around, like warhogs and pigs all around the front of the, the place. It was the one of the few times, and this is where. I, f- I remember I felt- that too. I remember thinking like you're gonna find that out immediately, and you didn't. I didn't use that ability. This is, I think, this is around the time that I finally like, all right, 
stop using video games as a reference and start looking at your character sheet and getting immersed in the game. And that this was the session where I was like, and Christian was like, you finally get D and D. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That was the that was the session that was like, I think you finally understand that this game is gonna play differently than what you think it is. Mm-hmm. Because I yeah. think Woodland Mance was maybe like the sixteenth session we played. Mm-hmm. No, the, um, it would have to be higher because we already went to um, Butter Skull. We already went through Butter Skull after that. Before mm-hmm. that. Before that. Because we came back to the Falcon's Lodge and we got attacked by the tree blights. No, and that's not true. You guys had Petunia, right? At Petun- no, we had Petunia. We got Petunia at Woodland Mance. Yeah, which means... No, it you, was got after- the, you got the caller at the Woodland Mance. You never... Oh, wait, no. You got the... No, that's right. You got the caller back at the Butterskull Ranch and mm-hmm. then you finally used it yes. at the Woodland Mance. Yes. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, I have, I have, I have the notes right here. I, I made. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I may write terribly, but I, <laughs> but I got the notes. I may be able to barely read what the fuck I wrote, but I know I wrote it. Yeah. Um, we get through the thing. We see like this big giant. I think it was like vines and everything on the first floor. We everyone. This is like one of the first time everyone hidden stealth very very good very well very well on this one. We get to the room where we find like certain little twigs, little dolls, and then the bell, um, Petunia's bell started ringing, and that's where Petunia came out, like for some weird reason. And then we just like we figured, all right, just blink away so you won't get in the middle of no situations, because you're new to us, like you're new to us. We don't want you getting killed right off the bat. Right, which is so funny too, because it's like you guys came up with that like immediately. When in my mind and the stats that I provided for Petunia, I was like, Petunia is combat oriented. You guys could use her. And the, immediately you guys were like, precious baby, no fighting. And you've never fucking put her in a fight we until did. campaign two. Technically, no, at the end of campaign one, we had Petunia lead people in the middle of the fight, lead people who was in our way out the city towards Axholm. And then that is true. That is true. You did have that happen. And then we, we, we not, I think um, I think Mouse told also told Petunia when you say blink out. So that was yeah. the, one of the first times Petunia acknowledged someone else besides Max and Insider. Yeah. Um, and even she wasn't even connected to um, <laughs> Petunia yet. Right. Um, oh yeah. By the way, we had it RP'd a little bit, where um, like while you were quote-unquote dead petunia was sad like that was rp'd a little bit like petunia was straight up a little sad and like the players saw that that she was missing you damn give me my feels (laughs) like straight up i think that was like in the middle of a drug of the drug den or something like when they went to the lion's den and they were like talking about it or something i forgot what exactly happened but there was a moment where they're like, "Oh yeah," and we give like we give like a like a, a treat or something to Petunia, and then it's like, "Yeah, Petunia just looks like like she's brooding and sad." Why would y'all let Petunia drop, pop up in Dragon? I don't remember what the context was, but um, it was just it was just for pets. Because <laughs> I remember when the character got killed. Like once again, air quotes. 
got mm-hmm. killed off. I remember Vice led them to the drug den to like to not only talk shit about Max and while he's already gone, but also <laughs> like help everyone grieve in Vice's own way. Get fucked up. Yeah, but it worked. We went back and RP'd that more when we had the rest of the players because you know some had like passed out by that point. Oh yeah. But we went back and RP'd that more a little bit. Um, yeah, there was there was a lot of our. There, I love that you asked, did you guys rob the bank? <laughs> Remember, we, we, we talked about it. I have to play like I have been gone longer than the, the party has. Right. So, it no, rather, but I, mean, I love that. <laughs> like, did you rob the bank? Because like, there's, there's also another ulterior motive, because they all know, and I even audibly told them, there is a case, the Trevelyan case, in the bank that he wants to open to see what the fuck is in there. Yeah, like I figure someone we like. All right, let's steal this from Axon, just if he ever comes back. But we kept the plane of like, he's not coming back, and it was everyone. And from the looks of it, they was very much resigned. Like, oh, he's he's dead, dead. Because look how Mouse reacted when I peered out. Yeah, I I tried so hard to not say anything. I tried so hard to not say anything. Like I didn't want to let everybody know that you were alive. But I didn't want everybody to be like all fucking sad, like you're not coming back at all. But I tried so goddamn hard to not say anything, so that way, like people would like, for the most part, not think when you're coming back. At least you shouldn't lean harder to make people think I wasn't coming back. I know I should have, but it felt mean. Hey, listen to your <laughs> I, okay. I think I as bias helped buy into it a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Well, um, to go back to the story of the Woodland Man since we. Went on a small tangent because of Petunia. Um, we had me. We get to the second floor. We had me stealth the top floor. I found a chest and I found a key. Now I, I found the chest, but with no key. There was a locked room. I unlocked it, opened it very slightly, closed it. Uh, there's orcs in there. <laughs> there's orcs. And then I can't believe they all agreed. I said, "Let's fireball the room, kill the orcs." literally fireball in the room keep in mind what was described to them was a dilapidated 300 plus year old woodland manse made out of wood 300 plus years old we can only imagine how that went it would have been like a chandelier incident uh, already crumbling down building would you like to tell them how it went Maxon <laughs> Oh, it went. There was a backdraft moment. If you know, if you know the movie Backdraft, um, I do not. So, do you know what a backdraft is in general? No. The idea that uh, there is like kind of like a weird suction when a uh, like firebomb enters a room out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. And kind of like creates a literal what they call it a backdraft of like mm-hmm. fire coming back towards a certain area. So that's what happened, and the orcs came out that room. When that hap- yep. when that explosion happened, it also triggered other orcs that we was able to pass back on the first floor. And there was an orc chieftain that technically summoned some tree blights. So what happened mechanically, right? <coughs> Feel free to, to to tell the story, but mechanically, what happened was they came up with a plan that said, "Hey." Let's fireball 
well, let's put a fireball in this room. Did they check how large the room was? No. Did they check to see how many orcs were in there? Yes. No. We said it was no. three. There was three in that, that room. That you could see. That you could see. Because you're not Superman, you can't see the entire room when you peer through a door. Especially when the room goes around and wraps slightly, because that's how the room was built. <laughs> so there were a total of 12 orcs in there, and they had only accounted for four. And they had never met an enemy that took more than one fireball. And so it was also the first time that they fireballed a room, and the thing lived. Yeah, that must have been like an oh shit moment. So they fireballed the room, they closed the door, they realize everything's on fire, and then 12 orcs pour out of the room into this hallway that they're standing in. <laughs> a suspended hallway above yeah. a courtyard we had an old that boy interlinks then. the two top halves of uh, the two areas of the top floor. Because there's like a center courtyard that center like is that is uh open air in this entire structure. So they, because of the explosion, they not only triggered everything in that room, the resounding sound triggered everything else. And it triggered literally everything that I had set up. The which meant it was 12 orcs, the chieftain downstairs, another four orcs downstairs, the five that were outside hidden as warthogs, the vine blights, the twig blights, and the active vine blights that were uh, around the floor of the courtyard that would actively grapple people and make it difficult to rain. And the whole entire place on fire. And the entire building now on fire. That was the oh shit moment. We wasn't worried about the enemies. We was worried <laughs> about the amount of fire that was going on and the timer that our DM put up. So what I did in that moment was I told him, okay, we need to take a 10-minute break because I need to figure out all these initiatives and everything first. So when we came back, I told him, okay, here's a real-world timer. I'm putting 35 minutes on this timer. When this timer goes out, the entire building is going to be burned down to the ground and everything inside it that stays inside of this building will be dead, including you. I will let your character die here. This is one of those things... You have 35 minutes. Roll your initiatives right now. We are beginning as soon as the first turn starts. And and what I did from that point on was every five minutes, real world, I would <clears throat> express how much the fire has spread and certain parts of the building started collapsing before others. And they had to actively figure out what they wanted to do, what they needed to accomplish, and how the fuck to get out before 35 minutes of, of time passes. And they're in active combat with all of these other enemies that are now trying to kill them and make their own way out. Yeah, sounds like a, a bit of a... That sounds like a kind of oh shit moment, definitely. <laughs> and a very big uh, DM, oh god, why? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. When we got to... We was, by this point, we spent the whole 30 minutes. And then when we got to the last five, by this point, Vahir and Zyder are finally out. Because Vahir Dimension Door, Zyder and, and herself out. Me and Ulf was still in. Like, I, like she 
Dimension Doored herself and Zyder out when they had just made it to the front porch after fighting their way down the stairs through a bunch of orcs and the chieftain, getting to the porch and seeing that they're surrounded from the front by the enemies that were waiting outside disguised as warthogs. So seeing that, she Dimension Doored both of them 300 feet into the forest. I yeet myself over the banister to the tree blights, the chieftain who's now present, the vine blights into the courtyard, and the roof was starting to go on fire. But it went back to Ulf before it went back to me. Yep, and Ulf Ulf was holding people, uh, holding back the doors as much as he could to keep the orcs at bay while the rest of the party was running. Like, in a fire-lit room, like, on the second floor, until eventually he jumped out the window. And then it was my turn. I was in the... I, was, I threw myself in a room, and I think by this point I had, what, how many seconds, minutes left? You had literally, like, a minute and a half left. And I already knew that that room was the last room to crumble. And in my... And I already knew that... There was only going to be one more initiative turn. Uh, not not initiative turn. It was like you had your moment to react. It was going to be your turn to react, and then that room was coming down. That's what how I remember it. And then you walked into the room from the courtyard, and I'm like, oh fuck! Like he's going to be in the room. He's going to be in the room when it goes down. And you used your bonus action to jump out of the fucking window. It was like, I'll take my full. I'll take my full action and plus my bonus action to dash. And you're like, dash where? Cause you was, I hear the, it was the, the fear. Like, oh my God, I just got him into D&D. And now I'm about to kill my friend off. I was like, I'm going out the window. You was like, what? I was like, my action is 30 feet. I have the bonus action to dash. I'm going to eat myself through the window. And he was like, yes! <laughs> that realization, like, you finally get it. You find, you've been looking at your character sheet and you get it. Yeah, it was that moment when he realized that he could dash as a bonus action. <laughs> it was at that moment that he realized that. And you were playing a rogue? Oh Still getting the feel for it. it, it, it remember, <laughs> I kept on saying, I kept on saying, I've been playing as a gamer, got to this point, I was like, no, I cannot play it as a gamer. I always felt like, oh, it's automatic. No, there was like, there was steps. There was love. And plus, up to that point, I never really had a reason to use dash because I was, at that point, I was like the team sniper. I was always in the background arrow, shoot, arrow shooting people. The only time I was ever in front of anyone was an orc chieftain that I was fighting one-to-one. Yeah, and you guys literally had like knives into each other and were just fucking holding on to each other until yeah. he gave out. Yeah, so that, that was like the only time that I actually had to do some form of movements. Which would would be the Woodland Man situation, and we we made everyone think um, me and Ulf died because <laughs> Ulf um, went into a deep sleep with Petunia. Yeah, Ulf with, passed out immediately after the battle, and had Petunia like ring the bell so everyone can hear where he's at. Yeah, like yeah. I was the asshole. Like oh, I let people think I'm I'm missing. And then just yeah. just sneak because they them. all went into different areas away from the manse, and that's how we ended the session. And the next session started with them trying to find each other in the forest. Seems like a clusterfuck. Man, a yeah. lot to keep track. Of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a 
This is a good time. This is a good time. Honestly, still one of the top three sessions in my mind. That shit was... <laughs> that shit was wild! That was before, on top of that, that was before I used Owlbear as, like, a source for the maps. So that was back when I literally had a, a whiteboard behind me that I would project the map onto from my PC, and I had taken their, their, their figures, and I hot-glued them to the magnets, and I would move their, their figures by hand, like, on the magnets on the board, so that way, like, I could project it at the same time. And, uh, and I would literally have a second camera. I made a second account on Discord, so that way I could put it on my phone, use my phone as my camera for myself, and then use the camera attached that I'm using right now attached to my computer to point it directly at the board so they could have a view directly of the board. Yeah, that sounds like a whole thing. That's how I, that's how I used to do it when we first started. Before I switched to digital methods. Because <clears throat> back I mean, then, I didn't even know any digital methods existed. Back then, it was like, that was the first way that we started playing d d It was the best way I could figure out how to do it. Like, without digital anything. It works! It, it, it works! works. <laughs> it works, but I'm not gonna lie, I like the method that we have now. I miss, I miss making maps in that way, but I can still make maps and just use them digitally. It's just... I, I, I got into 3D printing with the excuse of I'm going to make all my D&D stuff and now I've had no reason to use it. Well, I mean, I use my 3D printer anyways, but I mean, like, no D&D related stuff recently. I'm like, damn. Yeah. <clears throat> so anything Vice, you're, um, you're excited for as we keep going forward with this campaign too? Definitely the players. It's always the players to see where people take their stories and their backstories and how it ties in with the world and how I just like seeing everything go from separate pieces into a fluid cohesive moving piece. Same. Because right now everything seems really separate and self-contained because we all are just getting to know each other. Well, at least, yeah. yeah. And there has yet to be like a major like catalyst event that has forced you guys to kind of like get to know each other more in like a in like a <clears throat> interactive dynamic way. Um, like right now, you guys are like getting to know each other because it's like you're hanging around each other. There's no like driving force that's pulling you guys together yet, but I have a feeling that is going to happen very soon. I, 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 It'll be really interesting what driving force can force Vice to do anything. Hmm. I know that's working that. Hmm. <laughs> I think he got something planned for you, guys. <laughs> I think he got something planned for you. But I think... I figured. I, I very much make it obvious, like, their advice does both things that when they're found out, there will be consequences. And I'm, as a player, I'm well aware of it. Mm-hmm. I like playing Max and where when those consequences come... I think that's where I think I shine our RP Maxim. Because I remember Ulf, Zyder, and Vihil be like, they were worried, oh, oh shit, what's going to happen? Well, I'm just playing like, let's do this, this, and this to counteract it. And if it doesn't work, fuck around and find out. Yeah. You, you want to know which plan never happened that I really wish did? <clears throat> which one? The conga line of death. I really wish we got to play with the Congo Line of Death. I was really excited for that. 
<laughs> you gotta have to refresh, the, you gotta, you gotta have to refresh me on the conga line death. <clears throat> there was a moment when you guys were in the Shadowfell, um, trying to negotiate the the future, the fate of a little Modron by the name of uh, Thirty Two Squared. Oh yeah. Oh. And you Session guys were, were trying to decide how to protect him, and you were like, "Wait a minute." Why don't we go out into the forest and attract all the like predatory creatures that are trying to attack us anyways that are already stalking us and lead them through the forest and when the when the <clears throat> army of Modron get here we run them through the army and let the let the monsters naturally here uh take care of like the army and you guys were going to make a conga line of death <laughs> of all of these monsters and I was just like fuck it's crazy enough to maybe work. Let's fucking do it. And then you're like, nah, fuck it. We're gonna give up the little Modron guy. I'm like, aw. I mean, I mean, that's that's fine. But like, damn. All we, right, cool. No more conga line of death. Because we was like, like a, you guys got me pumped up for that. I was ready. I was I, like, all right, I got monsters. Let's fucking do it. That idea came from the mummy. Because remember that scene? <laughs> you remember that scene when they was already in Hamanatra? And then those American dudes was telling Alcana and everyone else, run, you sons of bitches, run. And all those mummies was right behind them. Those oh little scarabs were behind them. That's, oh where the, that's where the idea came from. <laughs> so I was... I was guys! You guys should have done it! Damn so, it! Oh, so I mean, my, don't get me wrong. I'm happy that you guys got it the way that you did. There was no conflict, whatever. It was fine. It, it came out good. I was just like, fuck! You can't give me something like Conga Line of Death and then take it away from me, man. So what originally had idea advice was... I was going to go out, since I know Shadowfell more than everyone else does, go and get the monsters and come around. So when Ilaria Mouse and everyone was there, I would come out and I was going to literally yell, run, y'all sons of bitches, run, and we take see, off. But see, that would have been awesome. Like, this, this is the only time you see Maxon acting like Campaign 1 Maxon. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Like I said, I get why you didn't do it. And I get, like, how the way that it came out was fine. The, the, the way that it came out was more than fine. It was good. It was a good way. Like, you guys... Like, it wasn't nice, but it was practical. Yeah, because... And also, Benita got in my nerve a little bit. She was like, you're going to revert back to campaign max, campaign one match at some point. So, I know. Ever since ever since Benita said it, I know you mentioned it a lot more. So I know it got to you. It, it really <laughs> got to me. So I was intentional <laughs> being like, fuck the, what this kid thinks he needs this is what he needs you quit you're thinking like, of yourself you're like fuck the wishes of this seven-year-old he doesn't know what he wants 12 he knows not what he speaks of i was like look it i i no i blatantly lied scarlet and everyone knows if we would have kept the damn thing there everyone would be in trouble well as i recall you guys didn't lie you guys gave it to the kids straight oh no and he I lied. was sad but he like learned something. I no, I told him I remember I written it down. I told him he died protecting the kid by going back. So I made the kid Oh, think. well yeah, that's not a lie though. He didn't Bro, was... bro, you know that by sending them that they were going to immediately kill him when they got back, right? Yeah, but we also told him he was a hero. <laughs> okay, that's that's a lie technically, but that's not a bad lie. Still, to tell the kid like, "Hey, he died to protect everybody." That's true, but at the same time, to tell him he's a hero, that is a lie. But it's not a bad lie. Boy, it was also <laughs> fucked up. Everyone was like, "Well, Maxine, you're the only person here who was a father. You know how to deal with kids. Do it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it worked. It worked, man. That kid didn't like you in the end, but that kid was like... That kid didn't like you in the end. But... But that's not the point. Like... He needed to he grow. Learned. He <laughs> needed to grow. Yeah. So it was fine. Like I said, the way that it ended was honestly... I think you guys tied that up fine. I I just like the chaotic shit, man. Conga line of death. Well, <laughs> well, we're going into battle next session, and they're now dealing with a Mac. They, we, I know everyone is focused on what they have to deal with inside the mansion, but you now have a person who everybody was dead, and he's back, but his attitude is different from the like you. My plan was that when we get back, when we get on the yard in front of the mansion, I was going to kick down that tombstone that Mouse made for me <laughs> and just stump it and just be like, all right, let's go deal with this shit inside. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait for you guys to go back in. Because I, 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 but <clears throat> what you'll notice, Vice, I like to pre plan fights. <clears throat> And I, I have I have a couple ideas. <laughs> One of them that, however, may be a good thing for another time. That's right. On the off chance anyone listens. Not only on the off chance, however, it is also. I know we're getting into this, but it is also a good amount of time on our. Uh... Yep, we have one fifty. Thank you for listening to the Space Society Collective. Uh, whole episode of D&D get to learn a little bit more about me we can we can easily carry on for a lot longer oh yeah but I feel I feel it is poignant to make sure that we don't and think about everyone who, who probably has um to work tomorrow as well as well thank you for joining Vice well, of course thanks for having me thank you for joining Salty thank you for having me until the next episode. Well, the next episode will be me and Benita talking about Hawkeye episode three and four. Um, a lot of old shit moments in those up in, in the, that episode. So that'll be a oh damn oh yeah. damn. Gotta watch it, Chris. Gotta watch it. Yep. But I can say next week's episode we'll get through our Spotify um, wrapped list. Wrapped. So oh god, if you have your twenty twenty one, Christian. I do. Have your 2020 and your 2021. We'll discuss it and see how we changed musically within a year. My 2021 shouldn't count, but I'll explain that later. I have been Hozier's in Hozier's top 0.5% for the past two years running. <laughs> that doesn't say lesbian, I don't know what does. I've been, of Mice and Men has been number one for the last four years for me. And I never... I never got one until last year, and last year because of the pandemic and how how, how unmedicated I was at a certain point, um, I listened to Hamilton so much that the entire soundtrack was the only thing on every single category in every single thing of my 2020 wrapped. Like literally every top ten song, like all all ten songs were Hamilton songs, like all albums were Hamilton. <laughs> All, all genres were all like subgenres of Hamilton. Like straight up, I listened to it so much that it fucking sh- overshadowed everything I listened to in 2020. Well, let's table that to next week's episode. And with that, 
have a be safe practice social something i haven't done in a while be safe practice social distancing mask up get boosted if you got the chance and go play halo i'm, I'm pretty sure everybody got a fucking xbox by this point go play halo while i go play dragon age inquisition for the 2000th time i'm gonna be playing halo ladies and gentlemen the weekend <laughs>